Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. I saw an advert uh, for an internship in the media team to kick it out. Is it possible for you to take us through a, a standard day in the office. <laughs> <laughs> standard what does that look impossible. like? Impossible. Um, impossible. <laughs> then on Sunday, four o'clock, a few fans racially abuse a famous footballer in the Premier League. When a racist incident or a homophobic incident or a sex incident happens, they call us up, they want us to, to come on and condemn it or they want to comment in their paper to condemn it, call it a disgrace so they can run the headline, kick it out, condemns. X, mm. kick out, condemns Y. You say they haven't adapted or yeah. evolved? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's why we need a more diverse media. Now I've got older, no one's disrespectful enough when I say it to be like, nah, 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 you're not telling yeah, Growing yeah. up, I had it a lot, you know. In your three and a half years at Kick It Out, would you say there's been an improvement in terms of eradicating racism from the game or is it virtually the same? and welcome back to yet again another episode of the beautiful game podcast as always i'm your host budge and i'm joined by my faithful two co-conspirators dot and dej gents how are we doing today i'm good budge how are you man good evening yeah man very well thanks very well how about you dej how are you yeah, man? i'm very very good man i'm looking forward to this episode we've got a very special guest here so let's get it cracking absolutely so so our special guest has come from high and wide, he's, 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 he's travelled, he's had, to, he's had to, 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 to get a train, Pilgrimage. a camel, you know, he, he's come from, from quite some way out, um, but, but we, are, we are absolutely privileged to have him, um, have him on the, the podcast. I mean, with, with, with our podcast in particular, you know, we always are in the business of trying to educate our listeners um, and trying to provide something different, you know. Um, and I certainly feel that that's what we're going to be able to do with, with this episode. So without further ado, I want to welcome our special guest, George Starkey Mitter, 
Never so, had an applause before. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so George is actually uh, a media and communications officer at Kick It Out. Yes. Um, and and it was, it, you know, it's, it's uh, like like I said, it's an absolute privilege to have you here, uh, George. Especially because in recent episodes that um, that we've had, um, one of the most the, the more common themes has been racism in football. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure you're 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 very familiar with uh, some of the most recent um, uh, incidences of this. Um, uh, Moise Keane for Juventus, uh, Raheem Sterling, of course, um, and and you know I I think in some ways there's a there's a bit of a disconnect in terms of fans and uh, and, and football fans and generally their understanding and idea of what organisations are actually doing to eradicate the issue, and because there is that disconnect and because to a certain extent there isn't maybe enough coverage or or these things aren't put out there in 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 the media in in in, 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 in forms and in mediums that people can, can digest, it, it, you know, it's, it's very easy for people to assume that nothing's happening. Mm. So I think today would be a really, really good opportunity for us to understand a bit more about what Kick It Out do. Um, and, and like I said, for, for our listeners who, who may have no clue whatsoever, it's, it's, it's a bit of an educational piece. Um, so, so before we go into that, I guess the, 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 the best part, uh, place to start would be just to get a bit of an idea about your background, uh, George. How did you find yourself uh, in the role that you're in? Um, you know, what, what, what drives you? What is your passion? Uh, if I if I can put it that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, thanks a lot for having me on. Glad Thank to you be for here. On. Yeah. Pleasure is ours. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So I mean. In terms of how I got into Kick It Out, really, I um I sort of fell into it a little bit. I um I've always been passionate about sort of social issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my my mum was you know very you know very political. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up surrounded by people from the Labour Party, all those kinds of things. I studied politics at uni. Okay. Um, and I always knew I wanted to maybe get into sports journalism, football journalism, because I've always been a, a a big football fan, a big Chelsea fan. And after uni, I was for about six months the editor of a uh, sort of small sort of sports blogging website called Real Sport. Um, And then I left there and I was sort of planning my next move, thinking whether I wanted to do a diploma in journalism or or whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden I saw an advert uh, for an internship in the media team at Kick It Out. And it just sort of it looked perfect because it combined Mm. a lot of my passions, you know, social issues, campaigning against know discrimination which mm-hmm. I feel strongly about uh, media and football all in one mm-hmm. so I applied thinking there's not much chance I'm going to get this yeah, but yeah. it's good to apply for things yeah. and I just got very lucky and I was fortunate enough to get the internship and three and a half years later here I am sitting on the podcast like so you started off as an intern and yeah then yeah you, yeah you became gradually... intern assistant mm-hmm. executive for a little while right, uh, and okay. then officer sorry uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, officer after, yeah. So been officer for about two years now. Right, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's safe to say you're enjoying your job then. You, yeah, absolutely. You've, you've been there for a, quite for quite some time. Exactly. Now. I mean, it's you know, it's not it's not an easy job. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's charity work. It, you know, you're you're overworked mm-hmm. um, because of the nature of the role. Um, you have to, you know, we punch above our weight like yeah. most charities do. Um, but you know, it's rarely a dull moment. It's, um, it's how many people work for Kick It Out? Sorry. Well, I mean, that's that's a very good question. It's actually we're at eighteen now, okay. um, which I think a lot of people might be surprised and think that's yeah, uh, when that's you, when you first told us. I was pretty surprised because ym, yeah. people see Kick It Out as a massive mm. organization, yeah, but that's because the branding and the marketing mm. is strong. 
Mm-hmm. But when you said that, that really shocked me. When I joined, when I applied, I was thinking that I was going to come for the interview, or whatever, and there'd mm. be an office of like fifty people. Yeah, I yeah, came yeah. into this office, and it was this tiny, sort of dingy little office above Pizza Express in Clerkenwell, <laughs> genuinely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was like not new, and there was like there was only twelve people at the organisation when I joined. Mm-hmm. And so in three and a half years, we've expanded to 18. So for us, it, that's quite big. But three and a half years before I joined, so about seven years ago, when our current CEO first came in, there was only six people. Oh, and wow. and seven, eight years ago, we were still a very well-known organisation. Mm, you know, yeah. okay, people don't always know in depth what we do, but we're still a very no, well-known organisation. And there's only six, seven people. And now there are, you know, 18 of us. Mm-hmm. But six, seven years ago... We didn't have those numbers, and mm. so we're doing our. We're still doing our best with eighteen people to do what we can to campaign against discrimination. But it's a national organisation. Yeah. There's sixty million people, you know, in Britain, or maybe yeah. I think forty-five yeah. million in yeah. England, which is where our remit is. You know, and we're eighteen people, so people have to understand. Yeah, you're punching above your weight, yeah. massively so. Um, and you know, we work in partnership with lots of organisations and the clubs and stuff. So our border networks are obviously bigger in a way, mm-hmm. but. You know, in terms of the people day in, day out doing this work, yeah, there's really not, not many of yeah. us. Yeah, um, and yeah. you know, I think that's something that people don't always understand. Is my job, is the media team's job to try and get that across. But it's not always easy, you know. Yeah, it's not always easy of shouting into into kind of into white noise sometimes. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Is it possible for you to take us through a, a standard day in the office? <laughs> yeah. standard what, what does that look impossible. like? Impossible. Um, <laughs> impossible. I mean, what I'd say is the general remit of my work and mm-hmm. the media team, our job is to cover, get as much coverage as possible for the work that we're doing across the board, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll go into what Kickout does across the board in a second, but mm-hmm. get as uh, much coverage as possible for what we do, campaign on the issues that we want to campaign about, and at the end of the day, generate conversations around the important issues. Those are, mm-hmm. those are kind of the overall objectives. Mm-hmm. But day to day, that can really change massively. So it, it could be I'm doing more social media stuff on that day, um, stuff uploading content to the website. Uh, we have our own podcast called The Kick It Outcast. Right, uh, we okay. do video um, content, all that kind of stuff. But then we also... Um, have to go to events and cover events. So we might be delivering an education session here. We might have an event around a certain, you know, racism or sexism or mm-hmm. homophobia here. So we're going to cover that. Um, and then obviously, you know, one of the big things, which is why no day can ever be the same, is I might have a week where right, I'm thinking I, I want to focus on this project where we might be producing an educational document mm-hmm. um, to train stewards around tackling anti-semitism so i might think right i'm going to be focusing on this this week then on sunday four o'clock a few fans racially abuse a famous footballer in the premier league and all of a sudden my week's completely different because i'm getting a million calls from every broadcaster journalists wanting comment wanting us to set up interviews wanting troy wanting also wanting machine to go on Mm. and talk about these things so all of a sudden you have things have to go on the back burner Mm -hmm. and obviously since sterling did what he did um in december and really put his head above the parapet and you know and 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 generated that conversation you know that our work, our work, our media work, our press work really hasn't stopped. Obviously, mm-hmm. now the domestic season's over a bit, it's quieting down, so I'm able to to get back on some of the stuff that we had to put on the back yeah, burner for yeah, months. Yeah, yeah. So it can really, um, it can really change week to week. But um, yeah, ultimately, it's just about trying to 
cover the, the work that we do across mm. grassroots, across the professional game, across education, you know, the reporting stuff we do where we support victims of discrimination, mm. you know, all these various different things that we, we're trying to, to, to cover. And, and yeah, so, it, you know, it, it really changes. You know, also mm. in after January, the second half of the season is usually our events half of the year. Right. So have you heard of Raise Your Game? Um, yes, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's led by Troy Townsend, our head yeah. of development, yeah. and it's basically uh, sort of a careers and mentoring program where we bring in mentors from across the industry, you know, whether it's sports science, media, mm. um, coaching, refereeing, business administration, and then we get in young people uh, from a whole diverse range of backgrounds, and they get a chance to get one-to-one mentoring mm-hmm. workshops, hear panel discussions, so really trying to get you know, the next generation of football industry workers to be a much broader mm. spectrum of people than it, than it currently mm. is. You know? mm-hmm. That's one of the big problems, yeah. So, so why is it that it seems that you guys are only get coverage when there's a negative headline? Why is that? Well, I mean, that's, uh, it's, you know, I've, I've I got... Mean, so, I, so, like, for example, something happens, I see Troy Townsend on Sky Sports News. Mm-hmm. Doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. It's happened again. Mm-hmm. Nothing positive. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is that? I mean, it's a great question because it goes to the heart of what me and my colleagues in the media team try to combat. Because at the end of the day, we don't want to be the organisation that are only about doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. That are only on your telly screens when we say another incident's happened. This is a yeah, disgrace. Yeah. You know, because it, there are so many positive things happening in mm-hmm. football. But unfortunately, the way the media works is it's, you know, negativity sells. Mm, you know what I mean? Negativity sells. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, so I'm not saying that, you know, every we expect every newspaper to to do a full page spread every time that we do like a nice little event in a town where we do have a grassroots tournament. But there's not always a lot of interest. What they want in, when a racist incident or a homophobic incident or a sex incident happens, they call us up, they want us to, to come on and condemn it or they want to, comment in their paper to condemn it call it a disgrace so they can run the headline kick it out condemns x mm. kick it out condemns y and then more often than not two days later they're, they're not really interested they don't even care half the time whether it's like there's a cycle an it's like a cycle they don't even care if, mm. if the person in the end gets convicted or charged they don't care yeah, what happened to the person headline. that abused raheem sterling as well because since the incident happened there was a few days where his picture was circulating and you haven't yeah. heard from it. I mean, so I know, um, I, I'm pretty certain actually that last month he was found not guilty in a, in court, in court, <laughs> because, um, I mean, it's a difficult one because obviously everyone, you know, everyone knows, I, I don't want to libel myself here, but yeah. lots of people will make their own judgment as to what they saw in he yeah. Mal. Yeah. But because it is mouthing, unfortunately, you know, everyone heard what the, uh, you know, the two days after it was said, well, no, it wasn't, you know, Black C-U-N-T, it was Manx C-U-N-T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and ultimately, right, okay. if mm. you can't, you know, lip reading is not an exact Just science. Just like the John Terry incident as well. Mm. Well, exactly. So John Terry was found not guilty mm. in a court of law, but then he was found guilty um, under the FA's regulation because mm. the court regulation is beyond reasonable doubt. So there can't okay. be even a little bit of doubt that the Fine. person didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Whereas the FA have regulations where it's on the balance of probabilities, which is a lower threshold. So it's basically right, like, okay. if it's quite obvious, then yeah, you know what I mean? So, it, they don't yeah. have, so they don't have to meet a higher threshold. Um, I'd have to get back to you on, on exactly what's happening with the fan, but I'm pretty sure, I mean, I know immediately the the, the man and the, like sort of the two or three others with him were suspended by the club. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure off the top of my head 
where what stage at whether they've been given lifetime bans or anything yeah, like yeah. that because often these processes slow down for clubs in the FA if it's a court case involved because they can't really touch it into because it can't be seen to prejudice a legal case. Mm-hmm. So you yeah, have sort of have to wait for it to happen. Okay. So I'm not exactly sure where that is, but you know, I'd happily update you um mm-hmm. another time. But going back to what you were asking about the 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 media and 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 the the lack of sort of coverage around the positive side of things and but the problem is for us is that you know, we do our utmost to try and, you know, get the, the positive stories, you know, in the media and, mm-hmm. you know, in the papers. But unfortunately, it it just it doesn't sell as well. So I think I was talking to you a little bit um, before uh, the, uh, the 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 interview about um, about the story last week that some of you may have seen uh, about Manchester United fans mm-hmm. um, have had the most race related arrests in the last four seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the Press Association. Press Association ran that story. The problem is with that story is that, yes, um, Manchester United had the highest. I think it was 27. And then there were a few other clubs. I think, um, I don't want to name them without getting them wrong, but I'm pretty yeah. sure Lees Mill and Chelsea there mm-hmm. and a couple others were on around <laughs> yeah. 12, 13 or something. <laughs> some those, but yeah. the thing is, I mean, you say no surprise there, and I appreciate that, that certain clubs have certain reputations. Mm-hmm. But... The thing is, is what people have to know and the only way we're going to tackle this is at every single club in this country, without exception, Mm -hmm. there are racists in that club. At every single club in the country because racism and discrimination, I don't need to tell you boys this, is a societal problem. But because of that, it's going to be at every single club. The problem with a story like that is all it seeks to do and the way every single paper ran it with the headline is they ran it with the headline knowing that it's Man- on their SEO, Manchester United are going to come up and races. That's it's a perfect it. storm. Yeah. Everyone will click on it and then all the fans are rowing on Twitter saying, no, I see Manchester United have got the worst fans. Yeah, then people yeah, coming yeah, back, no, you've got the most racist fans. And the thing is, people didn't want to, no one wanted to go deeper into that story to ask, okay, so why is it so low for all these clubs? Yeah, but George, why is that? People just look at headlines and they make their mind up why, why it's is laziness that? they don't it's, want to read yeah you know? I mean it's, it's, a, it's part of the it's a societal issue that we've got at the moment yeah. isn't it? where social media everything's quite um, and the 24 hour news cycle yeah. everyone wants to read the, the top line get angry and then move on and then <laughs> get angry again and move on and I do yeah. think there's a certain responsibility on journalists if they want to actually you know because I, I speak to so many journalists who, who say they care and I'm sure many of them do but you have to show you care with your actual reporting and actions, not mm-hmm. just by saying it and by saying you care because you ask kick it out for a comment. If you really care, you'll dig deeper into, mm-hmm. okay, so there are 27 arrests at Manchester United or, or you know, 20, 20 arrests at any club. I don't care which club. Uh, so that's in four years, only 20 arrests. So have there really only been 20 incidents in four seasons Five you know, per season. Five per season when, let's say, you know, generic club X has got 30,000 fans in their stadium going every you know 30 30 game season so maybe in a whole season like a million a million people would have walked through the gate or whatever it is Mm -hmm. what so you're telling me out of that only five a season 20 over four years was arrestable offenses no no chance Mm -hmm. so why is that how's what's the reporting processes like at that club Mm -hmm. is it is there a club that are really low on that list they've only had two arrests because they're really crap about identifying 
people who do like discriminatory behavior getting them out of the club and then are there people who are exactly are there people who actually know that stuff's happening but they turn a blind eye because they don't want to go to war with their fans Mm. they don't want to say to their fans we will get you out if you're if you're a racist or if you're a homophobe but Mm -hmm. people don't want to ask these questions because it's more difficult yeah, it's more yeah. difficult. You've got to do some digging. You've got to do some more exactly. research. It's much harder. You've yeah. got to, it's more harder. time consuming. Exactly, it's mm-hmm. more time consuming. You've got to actually think about things and portray things in a nuanced way. Instead, it's much easier. Papers they need to sell. You know, they they need the hits. You know, lots of um, media outlets are you know struggling to make money. They need the hits. So instead, yeah. it's much much easier just to go with the easy headline of. Manchester United got the most racist fans, and it's a nonsense. Yeah. And it's a nonsense. They've got racist fans, but so, every single club in the country has racist fans. So how do we influence change? How does this change? How does this perception change from from the newspapers? I know Ryan Sterling highlighted it, but how do we change this? Mm. Well, I think first and foremost, and again, I'm sure you guys know all about this, is we need a more diverse media. Because we have a more diverse media, then you have more people who actually take this thing seriously. Because it's it's actually it's personal to them and mm-hmm. they have a greater understanding I mean we of, spoke of to Adrian Kajumba as well and he echoed your views as well that mm-hmm. you need different people so they understand just say when a Raheem Sterling gets abused mm-hmm. so they can understand and sympathise with them rather than mm-hmm. your typical 50 something year old white man who doesn't understand it mm-hmm. exactly. and they don't resonate with them exactly because so. even even if you're a 50 year old white man who, who actually who who tries and cares you're still not going to have the same understanding yeah, yeah, and there are lo- you know Adrian's a perfect a great example of someone who does understand does get it. and you know there's lots of people there's you know Darren Lewis brilliant journalist at the Mirror Warren Houghton you've got Anne-Marie Batson you've got Natasha Henry um, you know lots of brilliant Asian uh, journalists too you know Rashmin Chowdhury you've yeah, got Darmesh yeah, you know yeah, all, yeah, lots of people yeah. who really um, you know have a much better understanding but we need much more we yeah, need it's not way helpful. more than and, and and that's the thing. If you look at the the print media particularly, and you look at the especially the lead positions, the senior positions, mm-hmm. and the senior editors, they are ninety nine percent white. And I'm going to give a shout out here to um, Becoms. Have you you, you heard yep, Becoms? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Black yeah, leader in sports, Leo Manizali, and he's doing great work to try and highlight the you know the complete um, lack of senior people in these positions mm-hmm. who are also commissioning these stories and driving these stories because at the end of the day if you're a white 55 year old man who is the head of you know you know head of uh, sport at yeah, any yeah. paper mm-hmm. you're likely to okay even if now you know whereas 10 years ago you might not have bothered with a story on racism okay now they are bothering with a story on racism or homophobia or sexism but again it's that surface level stuff it's that surface level of Okay, there was an incident. Can we get a kick out comment and then can we move on? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Whereas if you've got someone who is thinking, who lives it day in day out, yeah. they're going to start to write. How can we? How can we move the conversation on? How mm-hmm. can we? How can we have our coverage so it's not a reactive? It's not purely reactive. Mm-hmm. How can we generally dig deeper and genuinely dig deeper and see? you know what why these things are happening and how you know how we can really make change mm-hmm. i think and i think part of the problem um part of the problem as well with sports journalism is a lot of journalists you know they came into it because they just wanted to cover sport they just want to go to a game yeah this team won this team lost yeah. and i don't think a lot of them are prepared already and it's not all of them and i don't you know uh, but i don't think a lot of them are prepared enough to really you know, know how to hold the right institutions to account. You know, Mm. you look at sometimes, you know, there's a lot of bad political journalists out there, but 
at the same time there there's a lot in political journalism you see a lot more people who are willing to you know if they see some stats about you know the amount of racist incidents or whatever in you know the police or whatever you've got political journalists who are how are we going to dig deeper into this how are we going to really unpick this and start to drive narratives because that's what they went into it to do that's mm. what they went whereas a lot of sports journalists yeah. and I don't blame but they went into it because they just like sport and they want to you know, so would yeah. you say they haven't adapted or yeah they evolved yeah exactly mm. exactly and that's why we need a more diverse media because yeah. inherently people from uh, you know BME backgrounds don't you know, they don't need to learn it because in the same way because they have that in they know they lived in it. Them. It's yeah. ingrained in them, and so they're in, inherently going to have a better understanding of how we can start to dig into these stories. In your three and a half years at Kick It Out, would you say there's been an improvement in terms of eradicating racism from the game, or is it virtually the same? That's a difficult question, honestly, because it's, you know, especially when you're in it day in, day out, it's hard to sometimes... You're in the bubble. ...to, to take a step back and say, right, how is it different? I think there are, um, you know, I think certainly I've got to say the most significant shift I've seen in the three and a half years has been post-Sterling okay. from mm-hmm. December. But what I am worried about is we've now got to a point where the season's closed, the season, domestic season's finished, there's not been too much, uh, you know, there's not been you know, any high-profile incident, let's say, mm-hmm. for a little while. I'm worried that we get to the start of the new season, maybe we get a couple months in, and there's no, like, mate, there's no like big Prem player. Yeah. And then and then just, people just slowly let it drop off the agenda, and we mm-hmm. return to where we were a year ago, which is still very reactive, still occasionally talking about it, still waiting for a major incident to happen. Um, and, you know, I this shouldn't have to be a generational change. I think mm-hmm. a lot of the time you ask, heads of media at various papers and I'm at lots of events where we talk about diversifying sports media and a lot of them say the same line which is you know we're trying our hardest we're trying our hardest but we know we can do more and it will take time and so I don't think we should have to wait 20 years yeah it it can happen it can happen much much sooner you just have to decide whether you're really committed whether you really want to see change and whether you're willing as a as an editor or you know you're willing to actually annoy people Mm -hmm that you know to make that change you're willing to actually you know not not a- allow the maintenance of a boys club you know what I mean yeah, where, yeah, yeah. where so, you know you're, where you're allowed to actually say well unfortunately th- I think this person from a BME background who's actually less well known than you he's actually better or he or she's better for the job because they're mm-hmm. going to have a better understanding of, of, of you know the, the, the various people involved in football as mm-hmm. opposed to you you may have a bigger name and people, people might assume you're better but this person will will deliver for me, you know, and it's like, and that may ruffle a few feathers, mm-hmm. you know. And, and the yeah. thing is, I, I'm I'm only, you know, I'm I'm no one in the game, you know. I, mm-hmm. I'm only, you know, I'm I'm 26, you know, 900 followers on Twitter. I haven't got I haven't got a platform, but yeah, even yeah, me, yeah. I will turn and I've turned down opportunities where I've said to someone, you know, I, I think I've been asked to uh, appear on a panel before, and mm-hmm. um, that was. Uh, I think it was related to uh, women's football and stuff like that. And I said, look, I like women's football. I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I watch, I've been watching the World Cup, but I don't think I'm the right person mm-hmm. who, who knows enough to be chairing that. And then I suggest a few people that you can go to. Or other 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 um, opportunities I've had where where it's all white people or, you know, or, or mostly white people. And I say to him, I'm not really comfortable. Yeah. You know, and you have to. And, and, that, and that's, I'm not saying I've done this millions of times because I, I don't have as many opportunities yeah, as other yeah. people. But if I can do it, 
then people who are much, much higher, and there's people who I see who I think it takes a, a great deal of humility to do that. Well, exactly. And, 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 and also, you know, because there is, there's so many people who get opportunities and they think, oh, no, but like, I, I've worked half this opportunity. Why shouldn't mm. I have it? Because they can't see past their own, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Their own, their own, well, I work hard. So everyone works so is hard. Is there selfishness? Mm. Yeah, there is an element of selfishness. Yeah. And there's also, there's, there's, you know, also because it's like a human instinct. You get an opportunity and you think, oh, that'd be great for me. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's hard to say no. It's hard to say no. There are people better placed than me. Because you yeah. could probably do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. to say you'd be bad at it, but there, there are people who are better. better placed. And it's hard to admit that. Yeah, it's hard of to course, say that, of course. you know? Yeah. Um, so I just think that, that there are people who, who, who know better as well and there's mm-hmm. senior people who I see appearing on who I hear talking at one event about the need for more diverse media and I see them at another event appearing on an all white panel you know and, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not going to name so you think it's a conflict of interest then it's not yeah well it's, 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 a, it's a, a certain element of hypocrisy because what we're at a stage now is 10-15 years ago lots of people in, in sports media didn't even know the right things to say mm-hmm. now we're at a certain stage where most people know the right things to say but they don't necessarily follow it up with the right action. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's that's a key thing as well, that people need to, you know, there, there, there are people in football media and sports media who need to outright commit tomorrow to never appearing on a all-white panel or an mm-hmm. all-white event or an all-white project or whatever. Mm-hmm. They, they need to commit to that and, and, and stick to it. But do you think that's feasible? It is. It is. It is feasible because mm-hmm. if everyone starts doing it, if everyone starts doing it, because there are all there are now enough, you know, aspiring and budding and junior level BME journalists who 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 could do that. They may be, yeah. you know, they're not they're not you know not on the senior level, certainly not. But mm. junior ones, there are more than enough, so that you might have to. Okay, so you might have an option between a junior BME journalist or a senior white journalist who's maybe got twenty thousand more followers on Twitter, mm. and you're picking one of the two for the panel. I don't care, pick the junior one. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. And and if everyone started doing that, or you know, or if they asked the the, the white senior one, say no, say mm. no, say actually, this is an all white panel. I think you need something more diverse. It's a valid point. Um, so one of the questions that I wanted to ask George was, um, it, I, I mean, I completely understand that you guys at Kick It Out are a fairly small group of of of, of, of colleagues. Um, but what I wanted to understand is. Your your position and your your power in terms of being able to call out and um, um, uh, uh, hold accountable larger organisations. Mm. So, for example, um, you know, a lot of the time we feel like the FA or UEFA could do more about uh, eradicating racism from the game. So, are you guys in a position where you can lobby them and you can say, you know, you need to, you need to do do more of this or you need to do more of that? Is 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 that a stance that you guys can have? Is, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one of the the difficult things for us in terms of perception, and I understand it from the public, is that because you know our, our funding, we are jointly funded by the FA, the PFA, the Premier League, and the EFL. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we get criticism of people saying oh you're just in their pockets you're not going to criticize them mm. it is really not the case believe me my job would be a lot easier if we were just in their pocket because we ne- never cause any trouble yeah so yeah. we we will call them out when they need to be called out which as 
we all know is is not infrequent you know mm-hmm. and so we, we will hold them to account we'll, we'll attempt to hold them to account but the other thing that people don't realize or don't always appreciate is that we are a pressure group a campaigning group a charity we don't hold the levers of power mm-hmm. so we will do our best you know by trying to create a media storm around the thing or speaking with them privately working with them building relationships mm-hmm. and trying to try to influence what they do but in theory none of those institutions have to have to listen to yeah, us of none of them none of them have mm-hmm. to listen to us so what I find difficult sometimes is when you get people on Twitter or in public, you know, saying stuff like, ah, oh, kick it out, don't do anything, you know what I mean? And it's like, well, actually, I'd like to ask, what do you do as an individual? Because we as a charity, we are just a group of people started by Lord Usley back in 93. We're just a group of people mm-hmm. who care, who put our heads above the parapet to say, we we want to do what we can to tackle this problem. Yeah, We're no different from... from you know, we have group of people who like football, who, who who want football to be better. We're no different from from you three, yeah, from yeah. from other people. Okay, we're now in a position where we can influence things more. But the amount of people that I hear sort of accuse kick it out maybe of not doing anything, or and you just think, okay, when you were at the pub last Friday, mate, and you heard some guy make a mm. homophobic, casually homophobic comment about the you know about a player you, uh, mm. you didn't like, mm-hmm. did you say anything to him? You know what I mean? Yeah, did you, yeah, did yeah. you call that out? When mm. your mate in the group chat, in the WhatsApp chat, you know, says a little, you know, yeah, said, yeah. makes a comment about any player, you know, be, you know being whatever, yeah, you know, yeah. did you call it out? You know what I mean? So yeah. well, what are you doing? Are you, and, and, but that's not to say we shouldn't get criticised. Let's get that right. Fingers at other people yeah. instead of looking at themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's not to say that people shouldn't criticise us either because by all means there are things that we need to do better yeah. and of course of course if people disagree with our statements or this by all means I, I, I read the criticism because I need to hear it because I need to think you know the public are, are very very important mm-hmm. but at the same time there are people who I know don't lift a finger and instead it's much easier just to say oh, yeah, why it's, because it's yeah. like it's like it's our responsibility alone it's like well no just because we put our heads above the parapet and again I was saying to you, this to you guys earlier is that you know, when, when the government or the NHS released the annual statistics for cancer figures in this country, mm-hmm. um, you know, how many people die from cancer, which, by the by, we're, we're quite bad compared to the rest of Europe at, at, at cancer, cancer prevention rates and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. When those figures come out, people don't start tweeting cancer research saying, what the hell are you doing? Why does cancer still exist? You know what I mean? Or, or yeah. Macmillan. Yeah, yeah. So why is, very, it, very why is it where the discrimination is still here and it's still a big problem in society and football. Why is it? Do you then say, "What well, you know, kick it out, you're not doing enough. Yeah. It's like, well, of course we're not probably not doing enough because we can't do enough because we're only, we're 18 people and we're a charity and our budget is is two weeks of Alexis Sanchez's wages, <laughs> our annual budget. You know so who should the finger be pointed at? The FA? The football gov- governing bodies? Uh, uh, the governing bodies, our fans doing enough. Is it a collective thing? What, it's, it's a collective thing. But, you know, I think with, with, with all forms, any form of discrimination across society, you always, for me, you have to look at institutional power. You have to look at who's got the levers of power. Here. Yeah. Mm. And that's so that is, you know, that is the FA, that is the Premier League, that is the, the PFA, that is the the EFL, the people who fund us. Yes, it's great that they 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 fund us and give support us in the work that we do, but they also and they, and it's not to say they don't do anything either. You know, they do do stuff, but they could be doing a lot more. But this, so could the clubs as well. 
So could the clubs too. You know, mm-hmm. there are certain clubs, and I'm not going to start picking and choosing which clubs worse or which clubs better. But there are some clubs who really are committed to engaging with their local communities, making their clubs more inclusive. There are other clubs yeah. who, who frankly want to want to hide, mm-hmm. and you know, will only really, you know, they'll give us a call if there's a racist incident, and they maybe want to want to use us as a bit of cover. Mm-hmm. As but a actually, yeah. or, or you know, or say, oh look, you know, want to add us into their press release and say, yeah. oh we're 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 doing stuff. But when it comes to it, they're not really committed. Yeah. Basically, tokenism. Well, exactly, exactly, mm. exactly. And and and, but where it's difficult for us is obviously we we can't we're not going to turn around to that club and just say, oh, piss off. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're, yeah. We're yeah. Swear a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 um, I held back a couple times. We're not going to tell him to piss off or anything because in the end of the day, we also. We, we can't just alienate clubs. So even if they're rubbish, we we still we want them to get better. Mm. Um, but yeah, so club. But also, and uh, as I alluded to before, the individuals too, the individual fans. Because in the, it, we last season we had five hundred and twenty, I think, reports of discrimination, um, which is the most we've ever had. But it's a tip of the iceberg. Tip mm, of the iceberg. Of and a lot of the problem is that that people don't report discrimination when they hear it or see yeah. it mm-hmm. um, and there are sometimes when that's fair you know if you're the one who's actually suffered it you and you don't want to put yourself through the reporting process or whatever you know I would urge you to report it but I can understand I how can do understand. you report it as well when okay well that's yeah perfect opportunity for me to give a little plug there yeah. I mean, you could you can report in so many different ways so obviously kick it out we have an app and uh, you know, an Android or iPhone that you can report discrimination on. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also e- just email us. Um, you can. We've got a free phone number. You know, you know, maybe some of the older generation prefer to it over the phone. Yeah, or yeah. you know, you, so you can call us, and it can be a non. You know, it can be anonymous if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also you know contact us on social media. So there's four or five different ways. Uh, we've got an online reporting form on our website. There's four or five different ways you can report to us. Mm-hmm. But we also appreciate not everyone wants to report to us. That's mm-hmm. fine. Report it to the steward in, in the ground. Report it to, you know, if it's a grassroots thing, report it to the county FA. Report it to the FA. Mm-hmm. Uh, report it to the police if you're on the train to a game and you hear people making racist comments or, yeah. or singing racist songs or homophobic songs or whatever it is. So there are so many different ways. Oh, and, yeah. you know, and I appreciate, because our, our job is to try and raise awareness of that. And, and there are some people who genuinely don't know, but there are also people who... Choose not to know. Yes. You know, because it's easier, oh, I couldn't possibly know. And it's like, well, yeah. you know, you know, you know you, if, if, if you saw a murder, you, you wouldn't say, I don't know how to report it. Yeah, okay, it's not a murder, yeah, 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 but, but it's, still, you know, it's yeah, a scale yeah. of these things. So you can, and that's what we need as well. So I think there needs to be more people um, in who have positions of responsibility, especially because now you've got the new media age where, mm-hmm. you know, um, people like yourself, hopefully in a year or two, you'll have the, your 20,000 followers and, and yeah. you know, and, you know, and you'll be... You know, <laughs> Amen. But, you know, there are people, you know, YouTubers or, you know, all these fan accounts and stuff like that, fan accounts with, like, what, 100,000 followers and mm. stuff like that and you just think, you know mm. what, you've got an amazing platform to be able to to influence your fans because fans telling their own fans is some of the most powerful yeah. stuff because people listen to, to their own fans and they look up to them and they're Amazing. watching their every you know yeah. mm-hmm. and and fans telling their own fans we you know this ain't okay you're not you're not part of our club if you're going to do this you're mm. not welcome at our club if you're going to do this it makes such a big difference let me give you a little example for instance um Obviously, I'm a Chelsea fan myself, mm-hmm. um, and I'm fully aware of the issues that the club and the fans have had around anti-Semitism. The club themselves are doing a lot of hard work since 
uh, January 2018 to really campaign against it and raise awareness and stuff like that. But, it, you know, it, it's, it, it, it can be a slow process. But mm-hmm. there's this season, there was um, a lot of talk again about, obviously, Chelsea's use of the Y, Chelsea fans' use of the Y word um, mm-hmm. to, to Tottenham fans mm-hmm. and the anti-Semitic abuse um, that way. And it got to the point that, you know, it happened a few times this year and Chelsea were making strong statements to the to the fans, say, look, you know, the idiots who are doing this, and they actually said that in one of their statements, the idiots who are doing this are not welcome, you're going to mm, get I back. think it was Bruce Buck. Exactly, mm-hmm. Bruce Buck, exactly. And that was great. And but even Eden Hazard came I, I out as well, exactly. speaking to the fans. I remember someone saying that, why are clubs getting praised for making these strong statements? This should be mandatory. This mm. is what they need to do. Mm. So... Why did they get praised for making a hard statement, a heavy statement? It's difficult, isn't it? Because of course, I think you're right. It should be a given, but then at the same time, our role is we're not. If a club does make a strong statement, we're not going to turn around to them and say, "Ah, oh, well." Yeah, you know, it should be because it's so yeah, well. Yeah. We want to encourage good behaviour. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, as well, if a club is making a strong statement and you know, and you don't, you know, tell them not well done and reinforce mm. that behaviour, then maybe they'll slip back. Yeah, so it is, you do have to, you do have to work the system a bit, mm. you know, you have to work with these people. But mm-hmm. so, anyway, back to, back to Chelsea, okay. So, okay, these statements have been made, but it still wasn't having enough of an impact. Mm. Um, then in, I think, at the beginning of this year, a bunch of Chelsea fans from different fan groups and not instigated by the club set up something called Chelsea Together, um, and you can follow them on Twitter, and, and they said, look, these people who are doing anti-Semitic abuse or racist abuse or whatever it is, they do not represent our club. They are not welcome at our club. This is not, you know, we're not going to allow them to continue to tar the reputation of our club. Mm-hmm. We're not going to allow it. And, you know, so they, they had this coordinated statement between all these fan groups, but again, it wasn't to do with, you know, it wasn't club-led, it was, it was fan-led from the club. And... The next two, we I think we played Tottenham two times after mm. after that happened. I think at least two times, and there were as as far as I'm aware, there were no reports of of anti-Semitic abuse to Chelsea uh, from Chelsea fans to Tottenham fans, mm. and that just shows you the power that mm. that fans have. And that's not to say that this is the whole issue is all got to be fan led. It's a collaborative process, but you know, when if you're you know if you're a fan with a major YouTube account or a major Twitter account or whatever it is, start using that platform yeah, yeah. to talk about these. I'm not saying week in, week out, day in, day out, but you know, regularly. You know what yeah. I mean? If you know that your club is there's a certain song that they're singing that that is homophobic or, you know, any any for any discriminatory in any way, call it out. Mm. Be brave enough. Mm. You know Self-manage. I mean? Exactly. Yourself, you know, yeah. self-policing mm. has a has a big value. Mm-hmm. It's not the only only way, but it is a, it's an important way too. You know. Um, I read your piece with the Metro. Um, you said that you're used to getting white privileges. Mm-hmm. What does that entail? What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, so for your for your listeners who may not have read that, I mean, the the piece um, that I did with the Metro with uh, uh, journalist, brilliant journalist called Natalie Morris, yeah. um, who's done a brilliant series on called Mixed Up uh, about uh, being mixed race and talking to various different people from you know from different backgrounds. It might be um, you know Jamaican and Japanese, yeah. it might be like myself, uh, English and Indian. Um, but so I am um, half Indian, half English, but I I look white. Mm-hmm. You would never guess it, you know. Yeah. Actually, you know, the mid of it, you might wonder where, yeah. where that name is. But if you looked at me, you wouldn't guess it. Yeah. So the um, the the inter- in the interview, I sort of explained that ultimately, I um, 
you know, I, I am half Indian, and, and very much so. My dad, you know, he's fully Indian. He was, um, he was born and raised in in, uh, in England, but he's a brown Indian man. Mm-hmm. And my mum's white, and my brother, who's got the exact same parents, he is also brown, so he looks Indian. Yeah, I, I saw the pictures. So, yeah, you know, well, well, I, I mean, I don't know how it happened, but yeah. what's funny is that my brother, he's um, he's six foot one. <laughs> and uh, and so the white side of my family is quite tall, but he got the brown skin genes. Mm-hmm. Whereas <laughs> I am, I got white Pain skin, yeah, but yeah. I am just a small hairy Indian man. <laughs> Honestly, like, it's probably weird the yeah. way my parents always thought I'd be taller because I had the white skin, so they thought yeah, I had yeah, the white skin yeah, genes yeah, yeah. as the white height genes. Mm-hmm. But it didn't work out like that anyway. So the the fact is that I I'm in quite a weird position where. You know, I've grown up, you know, with my dad and my brother, and for me, obviously, they're, they're you know, they're the same as me. They're my flesh and blood. Um, but I, I don't face the same, you know, in public. Again, mm. I don't need to, you know, lecture you guys on. Yeah. I don't get the kind of slightly suspicious look, you know what I mean? Or like, mm-hmm. especially for my uh, my dad, like going through an airport, you know what I mean? Mm. A brown man going through yeah. an airport, particularly mm. in post 9-11 world, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I was yeah. back in like 2007, I was, we went through, we had, I think we just had a layover in the States. We weren't even going to the bloody country. And twice in 10 minutes, he got randomly searched. Twice in 20, 10 minutes, yeah. he got randomly searched. Like, no, you know, yeah. my mum yeah. went mad. You know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And so I've, I've got that dual experience of, of you know, I, I am Indian. I am technically, I am BME, but I'm mm-hmm. white passing. So mm-hmm. I had the privileges of, of being able to blend in. You know, yes, I don't yes. have the... You know, I don't have, I don't, I won't get singled out for stuff, mm. but I also feel like I do, you know, I'm not, I'm not just white. I'm not just a white person who hasn't yeah. got a clue, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I do have an inherent understanding and I have been racially abused. I can't, yeah. you know, but what's yeah. weird is for me, I can only be racially abused by someone who actually knows me, you know what I mean? Oh, Whereas yeah. it's like the opposite yeah. for, for like my dad or brother, they're more likely to be racially abused like in a street or something yeah, by a random boy. Whereas yeah. me, okay, it hasn't happened loads of times in my life, but a few, a few little times overtly I've been racially abused by someone I know. You know what I mean? So, yeah, but, but, but I don't, the, the point of the interview wasn't to, you know, I didn't want to create a story about how, you know, oh, it's, it's so hard for me being, you know, white passing. I mean, so because I, like I said, I have a lot of privilege in that I don't have to, to deal with the kind of the daily aggressions, the microaggressions mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that other people have. And also, you know, I'm, I'm a very privileged person in lots of other ways too. You know, I, I got sent to private school mm-hmm. growing up and stuff. So I'm not, I'm not about to be, you know, I've had such a hard life, but I just, the, the, point of the interview I suppose was just to give a slightly different perspective mm. um, on 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 my life and how you know because also the other thing I get sometimes is that I get white people around me mm-hmm. who feel comfortable making a racist comment or casually racist comment that they oh. wouldn't say around my brother because mm. my brother's brown and they okay. know, yeah, yes, yes, but yes, whereas yeah. me they think you know they don't realize and if I call it out you know and it was, it was same as well at school like at times growing up I am um, because people people sort of treat you like you're white because you look white and in a mm. way it gets kind of ingrained into you you almost start to think that you think you're white in the yeah. way you know you sort of at times you almost forget you know especially because mm-hmm. most of the, I went to a private school it's you know white dominated anyway yeah, yeah. so you sort of start to get and it's been it's, I think the last five six years I've started to kind of unpackage it from my own head and realize that you know that that I have a much more complex identity than than just you know your average Joe. Well, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so yeah. So you know. But like I said, I, I have a, a lot of um, you know. I'm 
I'm unlucky in a way mm. compared to like my, my brother or, or my dad, particularly you know, particularly in public spaces. You know? Said in the article that people call you a liar when you say mm. you're half Indian, half English. <laughs> how, how does that make you feel? I mean, so I would say that you know, that was slightly the you know the journalist was brilliant. The headline was a bit more of a, a bit of a metro, <laughs> yeah. slightly clickbait. Yeah. <laughs> people sensationalist. Anyone yeah. call me a liar? I just yeah, people yeah. Uh, people often don't believe me. Mm. I mean, now I've got older. No one disrespectful enough when I say it to be like, nah, 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 you're not telling the truth. But yeah, growing yeah. up, I had it a lot. You know, there would be times when I would, I would say it, and it would be, and they'd be like, no, you're not. And then, and they'd be back for it. And then some people, it would take a while for them to be. Able, they wouldn't believe it until like I showed them a photo of my dad or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So there, uh, and and again, it didn't necessarily bother me at the time, and I found it sort of uh, 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 at times a bit funny. But it, you know, it was it was weird. You know what I mean? To have mm. to kind of justify or explain your existence and you know what I mean and even yeah, now when I moved into the football industry obviously certain interactions with people I know that they're sort of looking at me and thinking that he's just a white guy who doesn't really know or doesn't get mm. it you know what I mean particularly mm. when I was uh, in, when I was first starting out and kick it out and that's no one to kick it out but people you interact with yeah, you know, in mm. the world of football and they think he's just a white kid what would he really know about equality or anything like that <laughs> and it's nothing measurable. It's nothing to say. You know, it's not them saying, "Oh, you're." You know, they would never yeah, say it. Yeah, but you yeah. can just tell that my view is slightly less, has been slightly less valued. Mm-hmm. You know, as someone who wouldn't really know. So that there, there is a, a slight, um, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's a it's a weird situation where I feel like at times I've had conversations with people where I almost slip in the fact that I'm half Indian. Yeah, yeah. Just so they sort of know without being able to, you know, without sort of. Wearing on my, I don't know, I'm, yeah, I'm not yeah, going to wear it on my forehead. Yeah, and say, yeah. By the way, yeah. but you know, you might just sort of casually slip it into the conversation yeah. because then their perspective yeah. on your opinion would 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 say would, would sort of yeah. change slightly. Mm. Yeah, and you said you've had experience. I think your dad's car got keyed by a neighbour, so you've actually been in the environment yeah, where yeah, your yeah, family suffered. Yeah, yeah so. you know, I've been my my dad. So you know, my me and my dad, my brother, we go to football all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Are they both Chelsea fans as well? Both Chelsea fans. We're all season ticket holders. Yeah, and so we. You know, when we were younger, you might when we you know pre-season ticket um, days, you know pre the days where you could stream a game that was on TV. You got you know Marcus to pubs quite a lot, and I've gone into pubs where in especially you know those pubs were those sort of dodgy pubs where they, they had they had the foreign broadcast, so you could yeah. watch the game yeah. on TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You go in, so you, quite often you go into slides, and you walk in there, and you know the sort of people looking around. And you know who's the, who's the brown guy? You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 mm. I you know I could see that. You know what I mean? I wasn't dumb to that. Like you yeah. can see, you know, you go to the countryside or something, and it's you know white people for miles, and then you go, and then they're like, oh, who, who's that brown guy in our village? You know that kind of. Yeah. You can see it, or or abroad on holiday. You know, so um, so I have I have you know lived. You know, some of my I remember one of my earliest memories was being at a football tournament that I wasn't playing in, but it was a summer tournament. My brother was, and he mm-hmm. was he was eight, and a game got uh, got stopped uh, because of racist abuse. He got racially abused, and and uh, one of his black teammates got racially abused. You know? yeah. Do you think this is going to happen in the top level at the top level, where a game will get stopped if there's racist abuse? Do you think that that can potentially happen? Well, I mean, it should do because the rules are there. That's the thing, and that's what not enough people don't know is the rules are there. There's a there's FIFA for and UEFA for seven, eight years, whatever, have had um, something called the free uh, stop protocol in place. 
um, well, I say in place, in theory, in place mm. where if there's if there's mass racist chanting or mass homophobic chanting, the it can st- stops the game mm-hmm. and gets over the tannoy, the 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 you know PA to say um, st- stop stop yeah. stop the chanting or the the game will be abandoned. If it then carries on, what the ref is then supposed to do is to pull pull all the players off, mm-hmm. pull all the players off, and then another announcement gets made. Um, and then if it then carries on, after if they come back on and it carries on, or if it doesn't stop, the ref abandons the game. So do you think we need game referees to nip this in the bud? Because, let's be honest, all the referees we see in the Prem, they're all white. All white, yeah. So, Last black Prem ref, I think, was you right, already. Yeah. How long ago was that? Yeah. And he was made a figure of laughs and ridicule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we recently saw in the England-Montenegro game, there was a lot of racist abuse. Mm-hmm. How come the referee didn't implement these rules? Well, there you go. And that's the thing. And that comes down to FIFA and UEFA. They need to be... In short, you know, because they put out statements saying, "Oh, all, all our refs should," uh, well, it, you know, no, but it doesn't it's get the action exactly. It's the and action, you know, they, they give out these. They you need, know. you know, they, at the end of the day, yeah, they need to, they need to take a much, much stronger stance. And at the end of the day, if a referee doesn't follow the protocol, mm. they need to be banned. Okay. For for a game or two or <laughs> ten games, whatever, yeah, like a yeah. player would get banned. Yeah, the but ref some of them, get their banned. argument will be like, I didn't know how to react in that situation. Well, but they I do, don't... and they should. That's the thing, because mm. they have been. They all know the rules by now. Yeah. Honestly, it's been like seven years. These mm. things have been placed, and it, I don't think it's ever happened. Mm. I don't think it's ever. I don't think a match has ever been abandoned. I may be wrong, but even yeah. if I'm wrong, it might be wrong by one or two. And yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, Whereas, how many games have actually been there's been racist abuse in, <laughs> and it doesn't happen. Instead, it's more likely that the the um, you know, usually it's black players. More likely, they're going to get booked. Yeah. How many yeah, times have you seen that? Montari, you know, yeah, Evan Bali as well. Yeah. Kulabali, you know, it's, more likely they're going to get booked. Yeah, goodness. Well, I mean, this is. It could have gone on for a long time. Honestly, this is this. For, uh, it's certainly for me. It's been a, a, an educational piece, yeah. and I'm sure that been enlightened. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so almost don't want to leave now. Got got me right into it. That's it. So, so unfortunately, you know, we we we've got to close up now. I just wanted to just basically pull everything together yeah, you know we, we, we've covered quite a, a, mm-hmm. a number of different things um, in, in this episode so if we could just bring it all together in, 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 in three um, summarising points in terms of what uh, not, not even just uh, uh, organisations within football but mm-hmm. as a society as a community what would be the three things that you would say um, can be done in order to continue to make strides towards eradicating not just racism, but mm. discrimination as a whole from yeah. uh, from football. For me, I'm all about institutional change. So, mm-hmm. if you're looking at outside society, you need I, you know, the, there's been more and more chat these days with MPs. We haven't even talked about uh, MPs or, yeah, or, or yeah. governments. They, you know, more and more they're starting to be more interested because it's also easy to get a few hundred retweets by saying yes. you're against racism on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Fine, and there are some who care, some yeah. don't. But put their money where their mouth is. If mm-hmm. you think, yeah, literally. Let's say ten million for the government mm-hmm. is drop in the ocean is nothing for their annual budget. Yeah, mm-hmm. if ten million they spread that around, all the um, the the campaigning organisations uh, tackling discrimination mm-hmm. in football, or if they even gave it to the FA and say this is only for equality stuff, mm-hmm. the 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 difference that would make within two years, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and that's the thing again. Governments have got the power. They need to put their money where their mouth is. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you you know you move into football, and yes, the 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 football bodies need to to step up their 
um, to step up their support and, and be also much more transparent about it. Mm-hmm. We need to know there needs to be open data around mm-hmm. how many BME players there are, how many BME coaches there are. And at times we get calls asking for these stats. We can't produce them because yeah. it takes work. It mm-hmm. costs money to mm-hmm. get all this stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't have the time resources to do it. Yeah. They do. Be open and and yeah. so we so it's all out in the open because that's where you make changes. Data. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds boring, but that's where you make change. So yeah. that's that's important. And then, um, you know, and then it's also just about the various other elements. The third thing, the various other elements of football taking responsibility. So that's individual fans take some responsibility. Next time you hear it, self police. Yeah, report it. If you're if you're a fan with a platform, you know, you guys doing brilliant stuff, you're talking about these issues. You haven't got the biggest platform, but you want mm. to talk about it. So take some responsibility. If you got that level you know, do something about it. And then, you know, the media, in the set, take responsibility if you're a journalist. Don't appear on an all-white platform. Make sure, you know, hold, you know, if you're an editor, hold the people above to account. Make sure mm. that don't just say we're doing our best, we could do better. Set yourself a target yeah. for two years' time. How many more BME people are going to be working for your organisation? Right, exactly. Targets. You, you know what I mean? Let's do this properly. Hold yeah, hold yourself true. accountable. Hold yeah. other people accountable. And and the same, and with me, the media too, start, be interested in going deeper dig deeper and start mm-hmm. holding the organizations that have the power to account don't every time just i mean it's great for you know us to get our statement out there ask the fa more ask the premier league more mm-hmm. ask the efl more and start holding everyone to account you know sort out the stuff in your own organ in your own media outlets but also hold organizations uh, hold the, the football powers to account so just take some responsibility everyone across the board Wow, I don't think anyone <laughs> said it. Honestly, I, I feel empowered. Listen, <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're going to make the change. Yeah, 100%. I know a change coming. You know what? I must have had quite a long week because I wasn't expecting to be quite so passionate about yesterday, but yeah. apparently yeah. I have. We, we welcome it, man. Yeah, 100% people are a platform to express. This is it. This is what we're here to do. Way. So, so we, we just want to say thank you yet again. You thanks, know, thanks for, for making the effort to come down, for thanks sharing your views and opinions with us. It really, really has been absolutely fantastic, man. Thanks love having me on and you guys are doing great stuff and you know um, just keep doing what you're doing and, and yeah keep keep talking about these issues because we need to 100%. I appreciate it we'll do um, and just to finish up uh, for all of you listeners just want to say thank you for listening up until this point if you're not yet following the Twitter handle please do so it's at podcast underscore TBG if you've had any personal experiences or you have any views that you want to share based on the topics that we covered in, in this episode, please feel free to make sure you use the hashtag, uh, hashtag TBGpod. And I think that, that that's pretty much it from, from us. Over and out. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.